Give it up for the worship band. Thank you, guys. What's up, guys? You may have a seat. Man, my name is Ryan Otto. Thank you for coming out on this chilly win fall, winter-ish night. <laughs> uh, man, it's good to have this place packed up again. Hey, how about that mannequin challenge? Are you guys all here? Micah, how did that turn out? Are you in here? Yeah, no, Micah Dawkins somewhere? Well, yeah, I think it turned out good. We might have to do a round two. We'll get that up on Facebook. That was fun. Thanks for being a part of that. So, hey, we are in this series called What is Family? Uh, we've been looking at different characteristics in family, and uh, we're so excited uh, for an awesome man of God to share tonight, Jared Eakins, and he's one of our coaches. And if you don't know, we have like seven or eight coaches. Uh, raise your hand real quick, the coaches that are in here. Got a couple of them in here. Yeah. And, uh, they, man, these are young adults. They work full time. They come here, and honestly, they just love to disciple and mentor students. Uh, so if you don't know one of them, get to know them. But Jared's been a coach with us for about a year and a half. He's been with us since we've started. And, you know, I was thinking about what I was going to say to introduce him. And I, I'm sure he's probably going to talk about this a little bit too. But Jared and I were friends uh, before I was the pastor here. And um, he was one of the first guys that when I moved into town kind of took me out to dinner and got to know me. And so I wanted him to be a part of Alive. And, you know, I really, I really do pray. I just don't. Oh, someone's Skyping me or face. <laughs> is, that, is that my mom? Maybe? No? Someone else? 
Tuck, was that you? Bro, I'm right here. <laughs> Woo, uh, that was funny. Never had that happen before. <laughs> um, Nate, did you do that on purpose? Is that a prank? That was a good idea if you did it. Yeah, going to get you back. Um, anyway, so, man, when I met Jared, I was like, Jared, I really feel like you're supposed to be a part of Alive. And he's like, no, man, I'm good. I already work with college students. I see enough of college students. He didn't say that. I'm just kind of making that up. But um, I had to ask him like three or four times. And honestly, I'm a pretty persistent person. You know, if you know me, you know that. You're like, man, amen. Uh, no, he's a crap out of me sometimes. What? Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't give up on him. And uh, he came back probably a week later. And I was honestly at the point where I was going to give up. And he's like, hey, I've been praying, and, and God's called me to be a coach. I'm in. And uh, it's just so cool to see the influence. He, he mentors a couple students here and uh, just, you know, leads a small group now. And he's just so influential in, in so many guys' lives in this ministry. And we are just so thankful and blessed to have him. And uh, it was funny, and just to give Kate Irwin a shout-out, uh, she was actually on the dock to speak tonight. And uh, she was praying, and she's like, right, really? Because the message is on gratitude and thankfulness. Not just because Thanksgiving is next week, but it kind of ties in, you know what I'm saying? Um, and she, she texted me, and she's like, right, I really feel like Jared is supposed to speak. And I just love how God speaks because it's like the same spirit that speaks to Kate, like, speaks to me. The same spirit that speaks to me speaks to Jake, you know, and, and Brett and, and Bob and Billy and Carol and everyone, and Julie, and making up names. But, man, the same God speaks to all of us. And I just love that, like, when God speaks and he breathes on something, it wasn't, I just, I didn't see that. And I was like, oh, this is a good idea. He would be good at this. Like, something resonated in my spirit. And, like, right away, I just knew he was meant to share tonight on this, this, this subject of thankfulness because it's something he lives out. And just to kind of set his talk up a little bit, God's been sharing that thankfulness is a weapon. No matter what situation we're in, it's a weapon, and it's for our good. You know, I think sometimes it's like when I, I remember, like, wanting to eat dinner at night or not eating my green beans or vegetables, and my, my grandpa would be like, you know, be thankful for that food you have. There's you know, people in other countries don't have it, and it's like, you know, almost like this, like, making me be thankful for what I have, which that is good. But when we're thankful, it's a weapon for us to cause and inspire joy in any situation we're in. So with that, let's give Jared Eakins a round of applause because he's going to bring the house down tonight. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the intro, Rye. That was very nice of you. So like Rye said, I've been involved with Alive pretty much since the beginning, and I'll tell my version of the story, which is pretty similar to his, but I think it'll add a little little bit more. So I met Ryan first before he was the college pastor. We met through the Vineyard Church at School of Kingdom Ministry, which some of you may or may not be familiar with, but it's a training at our church that focuses on supernatural healing, those types of things. So I met Ryan when he first came into town, and we just kind of connected and built a good friendship, and right about the time we got to be good friends, he had to go back off on the world race. So I kind of was thinking, like, God, I feel like there's something you're doing in this friendship, but I don't really... I don't really know why you put him in my life yet, but I feel like there's something more than just he's a cool guy. So we kept in touch while he was on the world race, and when he got, when the college pastor position came open, before I even knew Ryan was applying, I just knew in my spirit, like, Ryan's going to come back, he's going to lead the college ministry, 
And he had made a few comments to me before he left saying, you know, the college pastors are really cool people. You should really get connected with them because for those of you who don't know, I work on campus. I work just a few blocks from here in the Union. And like Ryan said, in a nice way, I kind of said, no, like, I, think, I think I'm good. I see a lot of college students during the day. I think this might feel like work for me again in my free time. But I just, and, and I said it kind of politely, but in my head, it was a very stern rejection. Like, no, that, this isn't for me. Like, the college ministry is not where God's calling me. So I just, I kind of listened to him, but already in my mind had said no. So fast forward to about July when Ryan gets back in town. Maybe a week or two after he's back, he asked me out to lunch, and I knew this was going to lead towards an invitation, like, we want you to be in the college ministry. So I was like, sure, let's go meet up. I'd love to catch up. We talked absolutely zero about the world race. It was all about college ministry, all about alive. And uh, again, like Ryan invited me to be a coach. He kind of explained what that would be. Very politely, again, I said, I'll pray about it. I gave him that courtesy out loud, but in my mind, again... <laughs> I'd already said no. So I emailed him back the next day saying, you know, thank you so much for thinking of me. I just, I just don't think this is for me. And to Ryan's credit, he took it pretty well. He said, you know, thank, thank you so much for praying for me. You're always welcome to stop by. So we kind of left things there, and I thought that was that. Well, God had other plans. So about six weeks later, I was at Vineyard Leadership Team meeting in August, which is a vineyard-wide meeting for leaders from different ministries. I was there with the young adult group. We were talking about what we wanted to accomplish that year. I was really involved in a young adult small group at that time. And at VLT, they do a call at the end, a ministry time call. And that particular time, the call for ministry time was, if you want more clarity on what God's calling you to, come up and get prayer. So I went up and got prayer, not from Ryan, but from one of the other pastors. Not on purpose, so I wasn't trying to avoid him, but I went up and got prayer and I got a very encouraging word saying, God's going to show you what your calling is. God's going to show you where you're meant to serve. Looking back now, it was very clear what the answer was, but I walked away thinking like, wow, that's really cool. I wish I knew what area I'm supposed to serve in. Like, I wish I had a cut and dry answer. So I went back and sat down and was just kind of thinking about it, and God kind of put it on my heart like, it's, it's live. Like, you need to say yes to a live. So I was like, do I? Like, do I really need to do that? I just, there's something in me was still very hesitant to do it. But I said, you know what, God, I'll make a deal with you. If when I open my eyes, nobody is praying with Ryan, I will say yes and I'll be a coach. Be careful what you wish for when you make a deal with God because he is smarter than you, believe it or not. So I opened my eyes and no exaggeration, Ryan was literally the only pastor not praying for someone. So I said, message received. <laughs> I went up and talked to Ryan, and that's when I got involved with the lives. So I've been very fortunate to get here. It definitely was not the most direct path, but I'm very grateful to be part of a live. It's, it's just, it's been such a life-changing experience for me. So like Ryan said, tonight we're talking about thankfulness and what does that look like in a family setting. And for me, thankfulness has always been something that's been on my heart. It's always been important to me, and it's kind of been... A big, uh, a big thing for me at different points on my journey. I've just, I've never fully known how to fully live it out, or I've never fully wrapped my head around it. But a verse, probably one of the most popular verses on thankfulness in the Bible that's always been a favorite of mine is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty, that's a pretty high standard. That's very emphatic. 
It's not saying, you know, be joyful sometimes. Maybe it'd be nice if you were thankful, you know, pray some of the time. It's saying always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. So for me, I've always kind of struggled with why is this so emphatic? Why is it so, why is God really like yelling this almost at me through the pages? And one thing I've come to realize is it's so emphatic because God knows how important thankfulness is for us. And he wants us to get that. And I don't think we would fully understand that if it was just suggested in scripture. So as a command, it's coming through because God wants us to fully understand this. So I did an internship at my home church back in Georgia. Um, I'm also not from here, by the way, if you can't tell by the way I speak. But I'm from Georgia originally. Been in the Midwest for about six years now. That's right. Go dogs. I appreciate that. Whoever shouted that out. Um, Been in the Midwest for about six years while I love it here, about this time of year, I'm not very thankful for the weather, but I'm getting used to it. Um, but at my home church, this verse was our theme verse one summer, the First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. We made shirts with us on it, and we had a pretty clever tagline that I'm pretty proud of. Feel free to steal it if you want. It said, stop playing, start praying. So that, that's something that's always been, yeah, I appreciate the class. That's always been an important verse to me, and it's something I think about all the time. Good times and bad, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it's always on my mind. So that's a good, easy way to remember it. Um, But I think this verse is just a reminder, like Ryan said, that thankfulness is a powerful weapon. And it's so powerful that the enemy wants to steal it from us, however he can. Um, Thankfulness, while it's not listed as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, I often think of it like a fruit of the Spirit. And I think of it that way because thankfulness, just like love and peace and joy, They're meant to be things that are parts of our identity. They're not supposed to be just something we casually do here and there. It's supposed to be something that becomes part of who we are, becomes deep down part of our heart. And the enemy wants to fight tooth and nail against that because thankfulness has the power to transform us. When we fully live it out, thankfulness transforms our heart to look more like the heart of the Father. So it's such a dangerous weapon. And in the family setting in particular, the power is amplified because we spend so much time with each other. We develop such intense bonds. Sometimes they're good bonds. Sometimes they're not so good bonds. But that power of thankfulness is really that much more amplified in families because we're all together. And the enemy especially wants to take it away from families. All of us can probably think of an example either in our own lives or in someone's life we know that there's been deep hurt from a family. I don't think that's an accident. God attacks families that are biological and families that are chosen like ours. So I think thankfulness is something that's important for us to fully understand and to live out because it is one of our biggest weapons to attack back at the enemy. So tonight, one of the things I wanted to share is just what are some things that thankfulness is that are revealed to us in scripture that I feel like God's put on my heart or that I've seen and lived experience in my life and in others' lives. What is thankfulness not? What are some misconceptions about thankfulness? And then what are some ways that the enemy tries to attack thankfulness when he sees it in us? And also, I don't want to just drop all these problems on you. What are some practical, concrete action steps we can do to practice thankfulness so we can live this out more more fully in our lives? So to start off, uh, one of the first things God will put on my heart is thankfulness is not limited to special occasions. Obviously, Thanksgiving is next week. And I think a lot of times thankfulness gets kind of put on the, the back shelf the back burner, we don't really think about it until we do our 
cliche, go around the table with friends or family, what are you thankful for this year? Not saying that's bad, but I think for a lot of people, myself included sometimes, that's one of the main times throughout the year we practice thankfulness, and we don't really think about it much, much other than that. So what are some other times we typically practice thankfulness? When I was praying into this and asking God, he kind of revealed to me, we typically express thankfulness when someone's done something for us. We, it's not something we just automatically do every day. A lot of times we say thank you or we're thankful when someone's done something for us. So it's kind of something we feel like we have to owe them. It's not something we give freely. And it's, it's something that tends to stay at the surface level a lot of times. It's words, and it doesn't really sink down deep. And unfortunately, that's right where the enemy wants thankfulness for us. He doesn't want it to be something that's pervasive throughout our lives. He wants it to be limited. He wants it to be once a year, maybe on Mother's Day if you're feeling really generous. But he doesn't want it to be something that you live out all the time. So I think that's, that's a big thing God wants to teach us today is thankfulness is something that we can do throughout our day. Thankfulness is, on the flip side, it's a daily opportunity to pause and reflect on what God's done for us and what he's going to do through us. If you haven't noticed, um, pausing and reflecting are not highly valued in our culture. They're kind of, I would say, ridiculed. And I think on the, on the opposite of that, being busy is very much glorified right now. And one thing God's really been showing me, because I'm very guilty of this myself, is the spirit of busyness tends to be the exact opposite of thankfulness. When we're so busy running from one thing to the next, our focus isn't on our circumstances, on what God's doing for us right then. Our focus is on, I don't have enough time, or I have so many more things I have to get done, or I'm never going to be able to finish this, or looking towards the next thing. Uh, when, we're, when our focus has shifted off of that, normally that's right where the enemy wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be focused on what God's teaching us. And I think, for me, that's been a hard lesson to learn. I'm definitely a doer. I don't do well being still. And I think God's shown me being busy itself is not the problem. It's when busyness consumes you and it becomes who you are. And you can't, you can't relax, you can't focus, because all you're thinking about is what's the next assignment or what's the next project I have? What's the next party I have to go to? What are my parents going to think if I do this? What is my best friend thinking about our conversation last night? When we're so busy worrying about all these different things, that's the spirit of busyness. The actual act of doing different things isn't the problem in and of itself. And I think worry is just something that is so normal in our society that it doesn't even seem like a problem a lot of times. And that's something I really think God wants to push back on, and I think thankfulness is a great weapon against that kind of worry mentality. Um, I think one question God really challenged me in that I want to challenge you all in tonight is, do the things we worry about really merit the time we spend worrying about them? So the things we spend all this time, all our energy thinking and focusing on and worrying about, do they actually deserve that attention we're giving them? Are we making mountains out of molehills of the things in our lives? Are we really blowing things out of proportion? That's not to say there aren't legitimate things we need to focus on and that deserve our attention, but oftentimes I've found a lot of the things I'm so worried about really at the end of the day don't make a huge difference. Um, someone shouted out Go Dogs earlier, so I'm going to go there. I'm a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. That's my alma mater. I've spent way too much time worried about Georgia football, who we're playing the next week, who's healthy, who's injured, what the scouting report is. I have zero control over any of that. 
And while I'm a fan and I'm a believer and being a fan in all circumstances, and this has not been the best season for my team, that really does not deserve the attention I give it. There are a lot of other things I could focus on. That could be doing stuff with a live. That could be stuff at work. It could be spending more time in prayer and scripture. It could be calling my parents. It could be a million other things. So that's, that's something God's really shown me, and I think it's an invitation for all of us tonight, not out of condemnation, but just out of calling us higher. We don't have to worry about things all the time because God's there to do that for us. So I think God just wants to remind us of that, that even though worries become so normal, it doesn't have to be normal for us. Um, so a few, a few things that I feel like are practical steps to help conquer this and to help practice thankfulness. One, and I'm going to fully admit I stole this from Putty at Vineyard from a sermon series a while back. Stop, look, and listen. This really stuck with me when he shared this. So stop, look, and listen is just a tactic to kind of, just like it says, to focus yourself in your circumstances. So when you feel like busyness is taking over you, Take a step back, just take a breath, stop, and look around you, look at the circumstances you're in, really reflect on what God's done for you, how he brought you to the circumstances you're in. You're very privileged just to be college students at Parkland, at U of I, being where you are. A lot of people don't have that privilege to be in college. Um, I know a lot of you may be working to put yourself through school, but a lot of people aren't even in the position to attend college. So even basic things like that that we take for granted, I think those are thing, things that God wants to remind us um, and call us into thankfulness in those. And listen, sometimes it's as easy as just praying to God, like, what do you want to teach me right here? What are some things that you want to show me in this circumstance? You know, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling consumed? God will break into your circumstances. He'll help you. He'll guide you. Um, so just listening, being, having that open heart and having those ears to hear, sometimes that's all we need to conquer that spirit of busyness. Um, but yeah, I think this is just one way that I think the enemy's taken a lot of ground on thankfulness with us is just taking our focus off, off God. Kind of like if we're an outfielder and there's a fly ball that's easily coming towards us, we look away for a second and it drops. That's kind of how I think about this. All he wants is that one shift and that's, that's all it takes. So by keeping our focus on God, a lot of times that'll help us, and that'll be our biggest advocate in the situation. Another way God revealed to me um, some misperception about thankfulness and a truth about it is thankfulness is not ignoring or avoiding negative feelings. I think that is something in the social media age, that's something I think we all feel the pressure to do. I don't, I've heard, I'm sure you all have heard of the concept of fake booking, where you kind of fake it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, make it look like you've got life all together, and then all of the messy parts conveniently get left out. I think that also applies in our real daily lives. It's not just on social media that we do that. And I think a very real, a very mundane example of this is when people say, how are you? Almost every time you say, I'm doing great, or I'm doing good, how are you doing? How often is that really true, though? That's not to say we should have a heart-to-heart -heart with every stranger that passes us, but a lot of times that's not true. Like, if you say, how are you, sometimes the answer is, I'm not doing very good right now. Things are hard. Um, but I think there's this, like, one-two punch from the enemy of we, we have this temptation, almost a pressure to fake it in public, but in private, we're dying under the weight of all this negative emotion. There's sadness around us. There's hurt. There's anger. People in our lives have hurt us, but we don't 
want to show that to others because we want to make it look like we've got it all together. And I think the biggest way the enemy takes ground on thankfulness in that way is by making us feel isolated and feeling like there's no one else that'll understand what we're going through or that no one wants to hear what our problems are. I'm here to tell you both of those things are very, very much lies. They are not true. And if you're ever having trouble with that, you've got a whole community of people in here that are definitely ready to support you. And if you don't have people outside of this room, please feel free to find one of us and confide some of those things in us. Um, but you're not alone. God wants you to know that tonight. You are not alone in your hurt. And on the flip side, thankfulness is an act of choice, especially in the hardest of circumstances. I think that's, I think a lot of people think like, I'm just not that kind of person. Thankfulness isn't easy for me. That's just not my personality. That's also a lie. Thankfulness is a choice. It's not something that one person is going to get and someone else is not going to get. It may come easier to some people than others. But thankfulness is a choice. It's something each of us can choose, even when times are hard. It may, it may not feel easy, but it's always something that's available for us to choose. Um, I think along with this, the enemy also likes to use our pride to trick us and to think that we can conquer everything ourselves and that we don't need help from others or from God. Um, pride can be such a toxic thing. And one of my favorite verses that's been on my heart since retreat I've, the leaders are probably sick of hearing me share it because I've shared it so many times, but I've, I really feel like it applies here too. It's in James, James 4, 6, and it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, for me, when I first read that, that sounded a little bit scary, like God's resisting me. What does that mean? When I prayed into that, God was showing me that's not saying that God's fighting against you. That's saying that when you're in the midst of your pride and you think you know all the answers, you're actually putting up a wall. You're blocking God out and you're not letting the truth that God's trying to show you penetrate into your heart and really um, come into your circumstances. You're thinking you know all the answers. So it's not that God's trying to go against you. It's oftentimes he's trying to break into your circumstances. He's trying to help you, but maybe you're not listening. You're not ready to receive that. Um, but on the flip side, when we're humble, when we're teachable, that's when God can come in and can really show us and mold us in the ways that he's trying to do, do so. So for me, I know I never want to be in a situation where it feels like God is resisting me, where I've got a wall up against God. So that's something God's really challenged me in and has shown me many different times where I have been like that. And it's really easy to get in that pattern. Pride is a very silent but very deadly toxin in your life it's hard to always identify it but it's something again it's an invitation god wants us to really pray into that he wants us to take that hurt to him and not think that we have to wait until everything's perfect because everything isn't always going to be perfect in our lives so scripture touches on this and i know some people are really big lovers of the word some people some of you probably are probably more rational like to see things more in terms of science and academic things. Science, believe it or not, actually touches on this too. One thing I've learned recently is leading neuroscientists have shown that habitual thoughts, whether positive or negative, create neurological pathways in our brain. And the more frequently these pathways are used, the more easy, the easier they become to use in the future. Now, what does this mean? Because this is a lot of jargon and scientific stuff that I didn't really understand at first. So basically what I took from this is the thought patterns we create for ourselves, whether they're good or bad, 
they literally have the power to rewire our brains. That's pretty impressive. Like, in the age of superhero movies, that's like a superhero power right there. Like, we have the power to rewire our own brains. Like, that's kind of crazy if you really think about it. And to me, the scarier part is the more frequently you use those thought patterns, the easier they become for you to use in the future. You're clearing the path, and you're making that the easiest path, the path of least resistance in the future. So what, you know, what does this mean? When we're in circumstances, the things we're thinking about them, that's what's going to kind of dictate our future. That's what's going to dictate how we're acting, and that's what's going to be easy to fall back into in the future. We're creating patterns for ourselves, often without even knowing it. Um, to me, that's, that's a little bit scary, but the fact that both scripture and science are kind of touching on this, like, that's a double confirmation. That's something God really wants us to know. Our thoughts have power, and that's why thankfulness is a choice. Even in hard circumstances, we have the power to choose and to try to create a new pattern for ourselves, even when it's hard. So how are some ways we can practice thankfulness knowing this, knowing that pride can be toxic, and knowing that habitual thoughts can literally rewire, recircuit our brain? How do we practice thankfulness? I think the main way is we examine what our beliefs are. Now, that may sound a little abstract, but I think that's so important because our beliefs are at the core. They're below, they're kind of the root of what our thoughts are. That's where everything begins with what we believe. Um, I've, I've heard it said before, I can't remember exactly where I heard this, but I read it somewhere before, that our beliefs are what drive our thoughts, and our thoughts in turn drive our words and actions. And in turn, in the future, our words and actions feed back into our future beliefs. So, like I mentioned, we have these patterns that we can find ourselves in that we don't necessarily always know we're in, and based on what our beliefs are, we've set ourselves onto a particular path. So examining what we believe is so important because that's the foundation. So there's an example from my own life I want to share with you all that I think I'd kind of set myself into a little bit of a bad pattern. So not too long ago, early on in my time in Champaign, you know, I moved here not knowing a single person. I moved here from Indiana before, uh, before moving here. Didn't know anyone, so it was a big risk coming here. Um, I came here for my job at the Union. So I got here, had a little bit of a rough patch at first, um, kind of figuring things out, getting my feet on the ground, but I was very fortunate that not too long after I got here, things had kind of smoothed out at work. God guided me to the vineyard two or three months after I got here and pretty instantly got plugged into a great community there. So almost immediately after coming here, things came together very quickly. A lot of doors were opening for me. The future looked very bright. Like, I honestly was dumbfounded at, you know, the good fortune I was having. Everything was clicking. Everything was going in the right, the right direction. And things I'd prayed for for a long time were starting to come my way. Well, little by little, things, different things in life started happening. I had a good coworker friend who took another job and left. Um, that was sad. It was great for her. It was sad for me losing a coworker friend, but also my workload doubled. Uh, all that work got shoved over to me. So not too long after that, I got notified by my parents that both of my grandparents on my dad's side were suffering pretty heavily from dementia, which I had known already, but they were really starting to enter the final stages of life. Not too long after that, I got a call that my grandpa had passed away. 
So instantly, within a few months, just three, three big things had happened, and through the death of my grandpa, I started to come to terms with the death of one of my best friends from college who was killed in a drunk driving accident. So as you can imagine, all those things together really had me in not the best place. Um, with speaking to my beliefs, my beliefs in that situation were not that God is great all the time. I'll be honest, that was not something I was believing then. I was walking through my everyday life with this dread, like, what's the next tragedy that's going to come my way? What's the next thing, God? Like, just let it go ahead and happen so I don't have to wait anymore. And things just, it was just this perfect storm of different things going on in my work life, in my personal life, and Every time it's, it felt like things were getting better or I tried to fix things, things completely fell apart again. I just kept falling on my face. And I just did not know what to do. Like, it didn't seem like anything I was doing was working. I started to believe, like, the opposite of King Midas, like, everything I turned was withering and dying. It was not turning to gold. So I, did, I was just kind of, I was very lost in this. And I remember just crying out to God, saying, like, almost exactly like this, like, you got to do something. Like, this is this is terrible. Like, this doesn't feel like you're for me. I'm trying. Like, I'm doing the best I know how. I need you. And I realized when I prayed that I hadn't really done that in the middle of all this yet. Like, not saying I brought this on myself, but I hadn't cried out to God in those circumstances. I kept thinking, like, oh, if I can just get through this, then I'll get back on track with God. Or if I can just get through this one week at work with these five different events in the 60-hour week, then I'll start praying more again. Then I'll like, get back into scripture. Then I'll go to church more. It was, I kept thinking, like, I'll just make it through this on my own power. And obviously that was not, that was not what was happening. So I cried out to God, and little by little, he started to break through in my life, and he started to show me different things. And he started to reveal to me that he is for me. He's not trying to do anything against me, and that he's, he's using these circumstances to grow me and that I'm going to get stronger, and this is going to create better endurance for me in the future. And one thing I really felt like God revealed to me in the midst of this, that honestly, this is no exaggeration, was a complete life-changing moment for me, was it's not our circumstances that define us. It's our choices. That, honestly, that completely changed my perspective. It's not our circumstances that define us. It's our choices. So I was looking at everything around me, all these storms, thinking, this is, this is what life is for me now. It's just a constant storm. It's one shoe dropping after another. It's people dying. It's people, you know, people hurting me. It's people at work, you know, taking advantage of me. It's me not getting anything I'm asking for. This is just, this is what life has become. Like, I allowed that to become my belief system. And the whole time, you know, my pride was keeping me from reaching out to God because I thought I could handle this myself. Like I said, I'm a doer. I don't do well with being still. And I wasn't inviting God into that circumstance. And once I did just that little bit, just that one moment of prayer, that really started to shift things. Little by little, God started to help me turn the corner. There were a few friends that reached out to me that asked, how are you really? Like, not just, I'm doing good, how are you? Like, how are you actually doing? You're not the Jared I know anymore. And that, like, God, I felt God pursuing me through those friends. It wasn't just a casual conversation. It was God really trying to speak to me through them. So little things like that, God just really started to turn things around. 
And I started choosing thankfulness in the midst of that. I started thanking God, thank you that you've grown me. Thank you that even though all this stuff sucks and I would have never chosen this, thank you that you're teaching me in the middle of this. Thank you that this is only a season. That was a word spoken over me, that this is only temporary. So I started to thank God for that. So I was kind of grasping at straws. There weren't many things for me to be thankful for, but the few things I could think of to be thankful for, I made sure to focus on that because I couldn't think of anything else to do. So I started little by little using thankfulness and realizing, oh my God, this is actually like, this is kind of working. I got to a certain point where I could still feel storms all around me, but I was calm. I was in the midst of it. And I could see all these things happening, all these things coming against me, but it no longer produced the same fear in me that it did at one point. And eventually God brought me out of that season. And I've had a lot of time to, to reflect and to think on that. And I'm even more thankful now, as crazy as it sounds, I'm thankful that God let me go through that. I'm thankful that he brought me out the other side stronger and that now I can use this as a testimony to share with others. Because life is not always going to be easy like that. And if thankfulness was easy, if you didn't have to work for it like that, it probably wouldn't be worth it. Most good things in life are worth, that are worth anything, you're going to have to fight for a little bit. And I think that was God allowing me to go through that to teach me how to fight. I'd never really had to fight that hard in my life before. Um, so that really changed things a lot for me. Um, those of you who are on fall retreat last year, 2015, know the story already, but a lot of you here were not. So at Fall Retreat last year, we did a, a name game where we all went around and we picked an adjective that we thought described us that started with the same letter as our first name. So I was the first person to go, and there aren't that many J adjectives. Anytime I've ever played this game, there's only a few good ones to choose from. So I, the first thing that came to my mind was joyful. So it was joyful Jared. And almost immediately after choosing that, the enemy started to attack me. He's like, you're not joyful. That's a lie. Like, think about all these things you just went through. You're not a joyful person. And instantly tried to steal that from me. But that revelation God gave me of it's not our circumstances, but our choices that define us, that kind of took the ground back as like, no, just because I went through hard times and I had times where I wasn't jumping up and down for joy, that doesn't make me not a joyful person. I'm joyful because I chose that in the midst of all the circumstances. God empowered that in me. So I am joyful Jared, as much as the enemy might hate it. That is who I am. So <laughs> thank you. And that, even if something as silly as that, that was a big reminder to me that that's kind of become part of my identity. A lot of people still call me that, and I love it. It's such a, it's a reminder to me that I partially conquered some of that that was in my life, and God has brought me a gift of joyfulness. That's something that's such a part of me now that wasn't a part of me before, and um, I'm so thankful for that. Another thing that kind of was the final nail in the coffin of all the, tr all the troubles in that season was a quote that I saw from a very unlikely source that does not, it's not often known for being uplifting, Twitter. I saw a quote that one of my family members shared on Twitter that really completely was like the perfect thing for me to hear coming out of the season I was just in. And it's from Pastor Tim Keller. It was, worry is not believing God will get it right, and bitterness is thinking God got it wrong. When I heard that, I was like, 
this is literally what I lived. This is exactly where I had been. Worry, not believing God will get it right, and bitterness is thinking God will get it wrong. That just really, that convicted me so much. And that showed to me the power of the, the beliefs and the thoughts I had in the situation. There were a lot of things in my life I honestly, deep down in my heart, believed that God messed up. And uh, God showed me that those were part of his bigger plan for me. And even though those things were very painful and really hurt at the time, that there is a purpose and there is a greater design in all of that. And um, I think this quote is just a reminder. God can speak to you in a variety of different forms. Obviously, if you've heard Ryan speak before, you know movies is a big thing we talk about in Alive. God can speak through movies. He can speak through Twitter, believe it or not. He can speak through TV shows. He can speak through friends. It's not just limited to the Bible. It's not just limited to prayer. Those are obviously some common ways, and those are definitely very powerful ways. But God can speak in a variety of ways if we're open to hearing it. That's the key there, if we're open to hearing it. So a question I have for you all that I really invite you to pray into tonight and throughout this week is what cycles have you created for yourself that maybe you don't know you've created? I really invite you to ask God that question, maybe even during worship tonight, what cycles have I created for myself? Because like we talked about, you can put yourself on these railroad tracks that you don't even know you're on, and you wonder why you keep getting to these same negative places or keep wallowing in these same negative thoughts and it, it might be because your beliefs that are underlying those are negative your beliefs are based on lies that the enemy has fed to you they're based on things you see in our broken world um, the beliefs are so important so really examining those beliefs and asking what cycles you're in that you may not even know that could be a way out for you that could be freedom for you tonight um, Another, I'm a big fan of the book of James, another verse that I think really touches on this and shows us a way that we can break these cycles is in James 1, 2 through 4, and it says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. All right, let's stop right there. What? Like, <laughs> that's kind of crazy, right? Like, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. That, that is so far from what we're taught in this world. We're taught when troubles come your way, you got to fight for what's yours. you got to get back. you got to get revenge. That's not what this is saying at all. And it's not even saying you need to be happy that you're having troubles. It's, this is saying you have an opportunity to consider a great joy. I take this to mean this is throwing a wrench into the cycle of negativity. When, you, when circumstances come against you, rather than letting that become the foundation and what's built uh, for your future actions... What if we stopped and said, you know what, God, I'm going to thank you right here in the circumstance. Even though it's terrible, even though it's painful, I'm going to thank you because I'm not going to let this become who I am. So I think that's what that's saying, even though it's kind of crazy. So the rest of the verse says, for, when, for you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Sounds pretty good, right? I think that's, that's what God is trying to show us, is if we have the ability to conquer these, these negative cycles, we can really step into his calling for our lives. So that's how I think of this, is just breaking that cycle. So kind of tying this all together, I know there's, this has been a lot of different scriptures and quotes and different points, and there's even science mixed in there, like, where did that come from? So kind of pulling it all together, 
one concrete image I felt like God spoke to me, and I hope it speaks to you, that kind of ties all this together, is um, thankfulness kind of transforms us to be like a fountain. I've heard it said before, um, like I've, I've traveled abroad and in Rome, and I've heard a lot about the fountains that are in Rome, and they're very ornate. Um, anytime you go there, there's always people taking pictures of them, getting water, and there's nothing better than getting a fresh drink of water from one of those after a long day of sightseeing. I think thankfulness makes us like one of those fountains because we're connected to a source, the Holy Spirit, and we're constantly being filled, but we're also giving life out to others when we're thankful. We're not, you know, we're not in this by ourselves, but we're being impacting others' lives for the better. We're overflowing into other people's lives. And on the flip side of that, an absence of thankfulness makes us like a canoe that has a bunch of holes in it. It makes us like a drain. We're our own worst enemy when we don't have that presence in our lives. There are holes all around us, and we're leaking things out, and we could drown in our own circumstances. So I really think God's inviting all of us to be a fountain as we go out tonight, not a drain. And that's obviously much easier said than done, but we all know those people who are just who raise questions and problems and never offer solutions and never try to be helpful, and no one likes that person. No one wants to be that person. So God wants us to be a fountain and give life to others and not be the person that's just constantly being critical and poking holes in what other people say. So revisiting um, what I said was my favorite verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, one revelation that I think may seem very minimal, but I think is actually very profound is in verse 18, it says, be thankful in all circumstances. I think God is calling us to be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Very, may seem like it doesn't matter. I think that's actually the entire key to that verse. We don't have to be thankful when we go through hard times for those situations, but we do need to be thankful in the middle of them because often that's our way out. So I want to leave you with three challenges for the rest of the week that'll help you hopefully walk out greater thankfulness. So the first one is just a simple thankfulness challenge. You probably see people doing this on Facebook throughout the month of November. Just writing down one thing you're thankful for every day for at least a week. Really take note of the impact this has on you. Remember, this is helping you create new neurological pathways. You're creating new patterns for yourself, and that could help you, you know, create new cycles and get out of negativity that you find yourself in. Number two, just very simply pray for God's grace, especially when you're in hard circumstances. If you don't know how to pray or what to pray, a very simple model that I learned at a young age is the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. It stands for adoration, just adoring who God is, what he's done, confession of sins, of shortcomings, thankfulness, um, being thankful for, um, for things God's done for you in the middle of your circumstances, and supplication, praying for others. Very simple, very easy model, but very effective. So just praying, um, again, applying the First Thessalonians verse, um, never stop praying. And then the third, find community. Like I mentioned several times, we're not supposed to do this alone. We've got community through our friends and family back home. We've got community right here in this room. Find someone you love and trust that's going to hold you accountable to be thankful, and that's going to call you into that, and it's not going to let you slip back into other ways. Um, I think this is probably the most important one, because if you try to do this by yourself, a lot of times you're going to fall flat on your face, not because you're a bad person, but the enemy wants us isolated because we're easier to pick off one by one, but in numbers, we're a lot harder to attack. So 
I know this has been a lot of information, but I hope this really spoke to you. I know thankfulness has just always been something big in my heart, but I just really invite you to really press into this during worship tonight and during ministry time. A lot of us are going to be in the back. If you have questions, if you need prayer for this, please do not hesitate. Come find one of us because this is something that's so important. We don't want you to leave tonight without it. So the worship band's going to come back up, and we're going to close out the night in worship and just thank God for all he's done in our lives. So thank you guys. Yep. And that was some powerful stuff, Jared. I know you came up before and you just said you felt like you had some words. And uh, so we're going to actually open it up. We're going to have a couple more songs in worship. I know it's a little later because we did the mannequin challenge. But we do believe that there's some people that hear that the Lord really wants us set free. And to deposit this fountain of life and to be a fountain of life to your family, especially your family. You know, Jesus himself said, a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. Some of the hardest people to minister and to be thankful for sometimes are family. So, Jared, is there any words that you want to give to kind of lead us into ministry time? Yeah, yeah. As I was preparing for tonight, there were two things I really felt God speaking. One was with Thanksgiving coming up, everyone may not be looking forward to going home. Uh, some people might not have a family to go to. Some people might have a not the best family situation. And I think God wants to break chains off of you tonight. If you have family drama or if you don't have a solid family, if that's something that's a hole in your heart, I think God wants to uh, break that chain off of you and he wants to just surround you with his love tonight. So that's one. And another, I just felt like there's people here that are struggling with unforgiveness, that have been through really tough situations. Uh, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something family related maybe it's something at work or school but i just feel like there are people who are holding um holding not even deeper than holding a grudge just having really deep-seated unforgiveness and god wants to break into that he wants to teach you in the middle of that and he wants to empower you to forgive and to let go of the power that that's holding over you yeah and jared's actually requested that we sing this song it's called sing i sing on the battlefield and it's a song we do in our home church a lot. And I just really encourage you as we worship to this song, ask the Lord, what one way does he want to deposit this gift of thankfulness into our life? And if you feel like we need, you need prayer, there's going to be leaders and good people in the back that would love to pray with you. We love you guys.
told me uh, when he's sometimes in his saddest and most darkest moments he goes into his room with the light off and he lays flat on his face with his arms out and I know that might sound weird and sound crazy and I'm not going to ask you to do that don't worry <laughs> but he says it's the most surrendered position that you can be because no matter, even if it's a kid, if they were over you, it would be very hard to get up if they put their foot on your back or, or put their, you know, their strength on your arms. And I often do that. And I, I'll say there's people in here right now that I feel like the Lord is just, there's this tug on your heart. And I just want to say, let him have his way. Because I promise one of the hardest things you can do is truly surrender your hopes, your dreams, your passions, your desires to him. But I promise when you do, there's such a peace, a peace that transcends all understanding, that touches your heart and overcomes your mind, that it's honestly the best place and the most joy that I've ever experienced in my life. So I'm going to ask Kyle to sing this over us again. Sing this over us again. And if this is resonating with you, get, get away from someone and just open up your arms to him. And whatever that thing is in your heart, would you take a risk and surrender to him? And I promise that your father, our father, will meet you in a way that only he can. There's peace in the storm. And there's joy in the surrender. Like a rushing wind, Jesus breathed within. And Lord, have you way.
some of the darkest and most painful storms I've ever been in. <laughs> I look back now and I see the most bright and beautiful rainbows that came out of those storms. And next week when we're gone, when we're home for Thanksgiving, my prayer for us is that we'll see the Lord in a fresh and new way. Because when we see His beauty, when we see him in the sunrise, we see the rainbow that he's forming. So, Father, I ask you to bless us, to help us see you in a new way, God. That even if we're in this storm, that we see the rainbow that's forming. And we know that somehow, in some way, you will use this for our good because that's what you do. Because you're a good father. So God, I pray that you'll meet us in the sunrises, you'll meet us in the sunsets, that we'll look around our table at Thanksgiving morning or Thanksgiving afternoon, and we'll see you in our family's eyes. That you'll meet us in the quiet moments, and you'll meet us in the loud moments. And no matter what's happening in our hearts, no matter what sadness we're feeling, we'll see your beauty, and we'll become thankful. Because you are beautiful. We want to know you more, Lord. And help us know you more by helping us see your beauty. In Jesus' name. So, guys, we're going to end the night here. But Kyle's going to sing this one last song, and it's called You're Beautiful. And you know, it says in the good book that there might be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. There might be pain in the night, but joy is on its way. And even though Christ died, guess what? He was coming back to life. And even though Friday was hard, Sunday was coming. So no matter what pain you're in right now, no matter what you're feeling, I pray this song will be a declaration that he is good and he's beautiful. And that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. So sing this out as declaration. Let him fill your heart in a way that only he can. We love you guys. We'll see you after break. I see your face in every sunrise. The colors of the morning are inside your eyes. The world awakens in the light of the day. I look up to the sky and say, you're beautiful.
it's all proclaiming who you are cause you're beautiful That you're beautiful and you make us beautiful because of what you've done. 
and who we are because of what you've done. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I feel like right now some of you are just having self-image issues and you don't see yourself the way that God sees you and the way that you are made and he just wants you to know how beautiful you are and it doesn't matter what people think it only matters what he thinks and we know what he thinks we know that we are beautiful because we're your children, God. And we thank you that we're your children. We bless your name, Lord. Yeah, let your presence just sink in this place even more. Even more as we go. Let it sink in. Reveal yourself even more, Lord. You're right here. You're in this place. Lord, that we would know it. Lord, I pray that we would just live out thankfulness. you're going to do in the future. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I just feel like the Lord's doing something special. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Lord, we receive it. Yeah. yeah, we receive your love, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. We bless your name, Lord. so much. Amen. All right, you guys are free to go. <laughs>